Well, it is family service, and as I love, we've had representation from every age group, and that's what it's all about, and that's what we love about today. So are we doing two mics? Oh, I don't know about that. That's dangerous. Uh, you might have to take the effects off of Mike Jeremy, but I think it will work. Hello, hello. There we go. All right. All right. Well, um, my name is Ashley. I'm the children's director here. This is my lovely husband, Brayden. He's the... I don't know. You do I, I do something. Yeah, I, I don't know. Still trying to He's figure like that out. guy. I don't know. Um, okay, well, um, to, to kick off our uh, sermon this morning, uh, we're going to have a little experiment for you. So I've asked these three ladies to come on up here and help me with this. Because it's family service, we thought we'd do something fun, okay? So this is a test to see how well you paid attention in Sunday school when you were growing up, okay? So let's see here, okay? We'll see how well you guys do, okay? Um, here's my first question for you. Who wrote the first book of the Bible? Paul. Don't, no audience help. You're sure about that? Yeah, it's Paul. It's, it's always Paul, you know? All right, all right. Um, Issa, what about you? Who, who wrote the first book of the Bible? It was definitely Paul, for sure. Are you? You're sure? Yes, I'm 100% positive. Okay. Lily, who wrote the first book of the Bible? Um, I guess Paul. <laughs> Are you sure about that? Um, 100%. You don't seem as confident as them. Can you explain, like, what was your thought process here about choosing Paul? They said Paul. So you just went along with what they said? Yeah. All right. Um, does anybody here know who wrote the first book of the Bible? I'll give you a hint. It was Genesis, in case you were wondering. Who, who, or who's believed to have wrote, written the first book? Moses. Did you guys know you were wrong? Oh, man. Okay. Back to Sunday school. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, well, that was a little bit silly. The reason we wanted to show you that was because... Ava and Issa were so confident in their answer, right? They were like, for sure it's Paul. We know that it's Paul, right? And Lily, poor Lily, didn't know. And she's like, well, I guess it's Paul because they're so confident. They know what they're talking about, right? And so I wanted to show you that because we are talking about the freedom to follow this morning. And sometimes there is a danger when we're not following Jesus that we can lead others astray, right? Just like they led poor Lily to choose the wrong answer, we can do that to other people. Yeah, we have the freedom to follow. That's the name of our, of our sermon. That, the question is, what will we use and how will we use that freedom to follow? Uh, will, will we let our peers, the world, and the lies of the enemy decide what we should say, what we should believe, and how we should act? Or will we be followers of God and his Holy Spirit? So let's pray. Let's dive into it. And then, yeah, let's get to the sermon. Well, Jesus, I just thank you for this morning, Lord. I thank you that... Your people are represented in every age that, Lord, you can speak to us through all the ages. Lord, you can speak. We're all one, Lord. Your spirit moves through all of us, Lord. And I just thank you for that. And, Lord, today, would you just give us the grace, Ashley and myself, to get out of the way, Lord? Would you speak through us? Lord, we, we want your words. We don't want ours. We want this to be from your heart, and we don't want it to be from ours. And so, Lord, would you speak, and would you speak to every person in this room? In Jesus' powerful name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, that leads us to our first point. Point number one, it'll be up on the stage. Be unaffected by the world. 
Yeah, so we're going to talk about that, and in order to talk about that, we're going to talk about one of my favorite characters in the Old Testament. His name is King David. Who's heard about King David before? Okay, a few of you. Awesome. Okay, well, I'm going to give you a very quick recap of some of the main highlights of his life up to the point that we're talking about today, okay? So King David, he was a young shepherd boy. He was the youngest in his family. He was pushed aside. He was forgotten. He was given the unwanted chores of taking care of the sheep, which he succeeded at very well. He is anointed as king of Israel at a young age. He shows unwavering faith in God when everyone else is shaking in their boots, and he takes on Goliath, and he wins. He serves the current king, King Saul, for many years, and then he flees from that same king to protect his life. And there is so much more than that that happens in David's life beyond that, Um, But we're going to pick up in 2 Samuel today, where he has finally been placed as the king of Israel. And his first act, he goes and he conquers Jerusalem from the Jebusites. He gets back the promised land for the Israelites. He fights off the Philistines, and then he locates and begins to return the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem to be placed in the tent of meeting once again. And this is where we're going to pick up today in 2 Samuel chapter 6. Okay, so he's found the Ark of the Covenant. And he's like, this is amazing. We have to deliver this back to Jerusalem. So verse 3, it says, they set the ark of God on a new cart. It's fancy. It's shiny. It's probably got jewels on it. It's a beautiful cart, right? They brought it from the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. Uzzah and Ahio, sons of Abinadab, were guiding the new cart with the ark of, the God, uh, with the ark of God on it. And Ahio was walking in front of it. David and all of Israel were celebrating with all their might before the Lord with castanets, harps, lyres, trimbles, sistrums, and cymbals. The stipulation of this sermon was that she had to read that verse because I could not pronounce half of the words on it. So I was like, nope, that's on you. You got that. (laughs) All right. Well, there is a lot of hard to pronounce words in that verse, so we're going to talk about it a little bit, right? So David is probably beyond excited, right? He's grown up as an Israelite. And he has uncovered a piece of Israelite history, a sacred piece of furniture from the place where they meet with God is being returned to the promised land. David, he he wants this to be special, so he gathers special people. He gathers a special cart. He has a special parade of special music playing for the Lord. There is a whole lot of special to honor the Lord. And David's heart was to honor the Lord. And as they continue on their journey, though, at one point, the oxen pulling the ark, they stumble. And Uzzah, he reaches out. He's like, oh, no, the ark of the covenant, it's going to fall on the ground. He reaches out to hold it up. And has anybody in here seen Raiders of the Lost Ark? Anybody else an Indiana Jones fan? Okay. All right. Well, as we know, the ark is sacred, right? It's not supposed to be touched by, anyone, by just anyone. And he falls down and he dies right there. Okay? So that's the, that's the important thing to note about the ark. It's sacred, and it wasn't meant to be ch- touched by just anyone. And the other thing to note about the Ark of the Covenant is that God wrote clear instructions about how it was to be transported from place to place. And while David wanted to honor the Lord, he didn't look back at the instructions and do it how God wanted it to be transported, right? He just put a whole lot of special into it, put a whole lot of care into it, which isn't in itself wrong. But he wasn't doing it the way God asked him to do it. 
He probably looked around at other kingdoms and he said, okay, how do they transport their sacred things? Oh, that looks good. A brand new cart. Let's do that. Right? He saw all these other people worshiping their gods and he was like, let's, let's do that. Or I think it would be really cool to do this. Or maybe that's the way we've always transported things. So why don't we just do that? I'm going to tell a little story <clears throat> early on in our marriage uh, when I was first became a dad. I remember Ember was around the two-year-old stage, which w- means normally the tantrums start <laughs> and the screaming when they want something and that kind of thing. And I remember Ashley being busy and, she, and, and Ashley goes to me and says, hey, can you deal with her? Can you, you be, hey, I'm doing something. Can you get her to stop throwing a fit? And so, you know, to stop, which it worked, I decided to go grab a piece of candy and give it to her. And it obviously worked, but then when Ashley, she looked at me and goes, that's not what I meant, okay? All the kids in here are like, that's great. That's the perfect way to deal with it. But obviously it worked, but it wasn't what I was supposed to do. You see, I wanted to help my wife. I wanted to be a good parent. I wanted to get my kid to stop crying, and so it worked. Uh, But I did the easy thing, and it was an effective way, but it wasn't the right thing. You see, David tried to honor the Lord, but he let the customs and traditions of his time lead him into doing the wrong thing. Thing. So I'm going to read Romans 12:2. It says, "Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect." You know, I think we're all guilty of this at times. We're all wanting to serve the Lord, but we do so sometimes based on our culture and the customs around us. More than what maybe sometimes what God is asking us to do. And it is something, maybe it's time to question ourselves. Is it time to stop doing things that we do for the Lord just because it's the way we've always done it? Or it's the way that the rest of the church or the Christians have done it since the 50s? That's why we're doing it still? Have we thought and thought, thought to ourselves, is this why we're doing what we're doing? Instead of what the Bible says, don't look to the customs of what you've always done. Let the Lord take your, transform your mind into something new. In a new way, an exciting way, a time that he is asking us to do, not 2000, not 1970, but 2023. What is God asking us to do? And the Lord could be asking us to do something different. You know, the Lord is creative. He changes things. He's a creative God. He doesn't have to do things the same way he did it 50 years ago. And so we need to look at ourselves and say, are we doing things because we've always done it? But maybe the Lord is saying, I see your heart and trying to honor me, but there's a different way. There's a different way. And so for uh, those who are young in this room, you get to set that way. You get to ask God, how are we? How are we going to lead this? How are we going to lead people to Jesus? How are we going to do this? How is the Lord asking us to stir this? And us, as an older generation Christian, we say, how do we need to change things up? How do we need to learn some new tricks? Right? So let's ask the Lord and let's not let the world right? Form us. All right. Let's not let the world form us in our thinking. Let's let the Lord renew our thoughts in our mind. Yeah. Good. All right. Our second point this morning is be unaffected by the enemy. So as we continue this story of David, right? He seems like he kind of gets his act together a little bit. He seemingly does his research to find out exactly how the Ark of the Covenant is supposed to be transported. And they bring the ark into Jerusalem with rejoicing. Verse 14 says, Wearing a linen ephod, David was dancing before the Lord with all his might, while he and all Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sound of trumpets. It says he danced with all his might. Can you show us? Well, all his might. (laughs) 
I, I always picture like, what did they dance like 2,000 years ago? You know, like, what, what, you, you got the, the sprinkler or the whatever that is. I don't even know. Like the Fortnite dances. I, I don't know what what did they do? Yeah, what's that? The uh, what is this called? Help me. I'm so I'm getting old, guys. Okay, but like I'm trying. It's just so funny. I'm like I, I'm trying to picture David. What was the dance? Like the dance 2,000 plus years ago. That is funny. All right, well, as a children's director, I like to ask these questions when reading the scripture with kids, right? I like to ask things like, how did this person in the scripture feel? Or how would I feel if this was happening to me? Now, you'll never fully know how that person was feeling because it's not written in scripture. But asking those questions can help us humanize the person we're reading about and help us to understand some of the things that might have been going through their head, right? They probably had feelings like we do. So what are we looking at here? How did David feel? Well, it says he danced before the Lord with all his might. So maybe he felt unashamed, joy-filled, ready for more of the Lord. It also says the entire house of Israel with shouts and the sound of trumpets. So maybe, they felt, maybe he felt excited to be worshiping in community. Maybe he felt bold. But what are some of the other thoughts that could have been running through David's head? What about intrusive thoughts? What is an intrusive thought? Do you guys know what an intrusive thought is? It's a thought that comes into your mind that makes you go, where did that come from? And it can be repetitive and unwelcome. Do you think David had intrusive thoughts? Probably, right? He's dancing before the Lord. Woo! Oh, that jump was too much. I need to tone it down a little bit. Dancing before the Lord. Yeah. Oh, that lady's hiding her child's face. Uh, Maybe I'll just clap instead. Right? Maybe, maybe the things that he, the way that he saw people looking at him, or the things that were running through his head, made him change how he was dancing before the Lord. Now, the scripture again, it doesn't say, so we don't know for sure. But I know that when I'm trying to follow the Lord, I get thoughts like that. And what do those thoughts do? What's the biggest thing that those thoughts do? They distract us from doing exactly what God has asked us to do. Right. You know, being a leader means we don't listen to intrusive thoughts that, you know, and I, I have intrusive thoughts a lot. <laughs> it happens a lot. Even today before I was speaking that a real thought of like, it shouldn't be me up here that's speaking. Like, why should that be there? It's kind of, it's really hard to explain what an intrusive, an intrusive thought kind of feels like that. It, it kind of feels like you, you're all of a sudden, boom. Something hits you in the head, and that is a lot of egg. Woo! Let's go! That was for you, Addie. All for you. Okay. Woo! All right. I was listening to an intrusive thought there. Sorry about that. Yeah. But it feels like that. Out of nowhere. Boom. On your head. Okay. Okay. Uh, But because why do those come in? Well, let me tell you. When you follow Jesus, there is someone who doesn't like that. And his name is Satan. And you know what it says in the Bible about Satan? It says he's the father of lies. You see, whenever you're doing something for Jesus, whenever you're doing something for Jesus, more than ever, you will hear lies and intrusive thoughts go into your head. I mean, am I the only one that experiences that? Whenever you try to step out, whenever you try to say, I'm changing something, I'm doing something different, what happens? That's exactly when the thoughts and the attacks and the lies and the doubts come into your mind. And if you follow Jesus, you're signing up for that. But there's a way, let me guess, but, and guess what we do? Guess what we do in those lies when the egg hits you in the head? Don't do that one. <laughs> Don't hit me again. 
I'm done. I'll just, yeah, I'm good. She was going to hit me two more times, but that one was way too much. <laughs> I was like, scrapping that. That was one and done. Uh, but we let it sit there for so long, right? I'm just letting it sit. And what am I doing? I'm believing the lie. I'm starting to believe the intrusive thoughts. I'm starting to follow what the enemy is wanting me to follow. Okay? I mean, I, I'm starting to think I'm a loser. I'm starting to think I don't have anything good to say. Or maybe like David, I look dumb dancing right now. Or I think people will think I look I'm crazy. But I have the freedom to follow. You know what that means? I also have the freedom over these lies and the enemy. And what he's doing with the lies that is going into your brain is he is trying to stun you and stop you from experiencing the true freedom you have in Jesus. I've seen so many people not experience the freedom in Jesus because they let the enemy, anything good that happens to them, that happened in Jesus' name, they turn it back around and the enemy comes in. That wasn't real. That's not true. That's not, and kids, you will experience this. You experience Jesus. But do not let the enemy win. We have power over the enemy's lies. So next time the intrusive thoughts come, like David, don't stop dancing. Don't stop dancing. Keep praising the Lord. And what you do when the thought comes, you wipe it away, you take the towel, you wipe it off, and you keep dancing for the Lord. Can we do that this morning? Amen. Now I'm going to clean this up, but she goes and talks. Sorry. All right. That was way too much fun. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So our third point this morning is to be unaffected by peers. Okay. So we talked about intrusive thoughts. We talked about the way the world does things or the way that we've done things, right? But what about the people that think we're weird? What about the people that have a problem with how you're following Jesus or how you're leading others to follow Jesus? Well, let's keep reading in 2 Samuel because David had somebody like that too. In verse 16 it says, As the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michael, daughter of Saul, watched from a window. And when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. So how fun is that? How fun? So fun. David is following the Lord and he's finally doing it on the Lord's terms. And someone In fact, his own wife has a problem with it. Now, don't raise your hand. I don't need to know. But how many of you have experienced that pain before? Right? You choose to step out and do what God is asking. And sometimes the people that are closest to us have the biggest problem with it. Right? So David, not yet knowing Michael's opinions... He delivers the ark to the tent of meeting. He sacrifices burnt offerings to the Lord. He blesses people. He feeds the people. And then he runs home filled with joy, ready to bless his own household. But Michael meets him. And she lets him know exactly how she feels about what she saw. So let's see. How do you think David handled it? If we jump down to verse 21, it says, David said to Michael, it was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone from his house when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people, Israel. I will celebrate before the Lord. David immediately squashes Michael's opinions, and he makes it clear that he follows the Lord, not himself, not his wife, not another king, no one. The Lord leads, and David does his best to follow, making sure that people see the Lord and not him. 
being a leader that follows means we follow the Holy Spirit. We don't follow others or even ourselves. Uh, it seems like Michael was the Karen of today, if we use the Karen in that way. Because <laughs> we see, we talk about Karens, really judgmental. That's like the joke, like, right? So Michael is that people, and we all have Michaels, right? That's life. We all have Karen Michaels. We have people that are going to judge us for being a Christian and, and going to judge you for even living differently. But are we letting that affect us? Like, even people, I'm say, I've been judged by other Christians who I know love the Lord. Sometimes more than other people that we've been judged and you and it's let us stop worshiping the way that Lord wants to it made it, our first love and reaction. And I can, I'm just so excited for the Lord. Well, you need to tone that down there, son. That's too much. But that is not what the Lord is asking. The Lord wants me to be excited for him. But I can't let the Michaels stop me just like David didn't let Michael stop him. OK, so. Second uh, Corinthians six eight it says we serve God whether people honor us or despise us whether they slander us or praise us. Let me, let me read that again. We serve God whether people honor us or despise us whether they slander us or they praise us. Galatians one ten for do I now persuade men or God or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant. Of Christ, we need to be careful here to not let us not let others stop us from passionately following Jesus and what He is asking us to do. We shouldn't look for approval or appreciation of others, anyways. It shouldn't be our number one goal, right? The only thing that matters is what Jesus thinks and what He is asking us to do. And you and how your heart is expressed towards him. I'm not telling you to all get up and dance and jump around. What I'm telling you to do is don't let others or your culture or the world or the lies of the enemy stop what the Lord is wanting to do through you or in you or how you need to express to him. And some of you have been bottled up for so long. And there's freedom to follow. He wants us to freely follow. He wants us to freely worship. He wants us to freely praise. He wants us to freely speak about him without letting the opinions of others get in the way. And we're letting the opinions of the world get in the way. Because what matters is he's going to look at us and say, well done, when we do that. All right, so let's wrap it up here, okay? David, he squashed other people's thoughts about himself. He squashed the intrusive thoughts from the enemy, and he chose to worship the Lord freely and follow his leading. And we get to do that, too. The intrusive thoughts are simply lies. They just are. We don't have to give them ownership in our minds. We get to squash them. Or like Braden said, we get to take the towel and wipe it away. It doesn't get to sit in our heads. And the Michaels, right? We can let the Michaels sit over there in their little Michael corner, being their little Michael selves. And we can pray that the Lord shows them the freedom that they have to follow him too. And we get to follow Jesus where he leads. And we get to lead others to do the same. Now it can be easy to read through places like this in the Bible and see that the Lord did something cool. Like bring the Ark of the Covenant back. But then we can miss the practical application for us. I'm sure that all of us in this room have had a time in our life where we stepped out, we did something bold, we listened to the Lord, 
But then we looked up and we saw Michael staring back at us. Then the intrusive thoughts came. I look ridiculous. I should just stop. I'm being too much. No one wants to see me do this. There is someone more qualified. I can't. People will make fun of me. No one wants to hear what I have to say. Now, we don't know if David, as he's dancing in the streets, looks up and sees Michael's face, right? And we don't know that as he's walking down the road, we don't know what was on other people's faces and if it affected him. But we do know that David continued to worship the Lord until the ark was brought into the tent. He invited others to worship with him, and he went home to bless his own home. David was a leader that had the freedom to follow, and we can have that same freedom if we do the work. Ben, you can uh, come on up as we close here. Uh, I hear egg is really good moisturizer. Please tell me that's true. It's good for my hair. That's right. I knew I did it for a reason. Uh, you know, I love the song we did last before uh, Kylie came up, which was Gratitude. And why I love that song is, you know, even, even the bridge of that song, it says, Come on, my soul. Don't you get shy on me. Lift up your song because you have a lion inside of those lungs. Get up and praise the Lord. Now, Brandon Lake, when he was writing that, you know, which I believe he's led by the Holy Spirit to write that. <laughs> but why he was writing, he was obviously knowing that some people need freedom in their souls. That they need freedom to be unashamed. To be fully desperate for the Lord again. To lift up their hands, to raise their voices. Not to look spiritual, that's not what it's about. But to be free. To be free from caring what the world, what peers, what the enemy is saying. That, that's what he was, he's talking about. And some of us in here have been letting our souls get shy. And we have shy souls walking around this place. And we are shy of expressing to Jesus or to other, around others our love for him. We are shy. And we got to break that out. we got to be unashamed. Maybe some of us remember the passion you had for Jesus a long time ago. You remember the fresh love and excitement and the energy when you first followed him. But what happened? Well, well, you know, world sucks. <laughs> yeah. But you have a world that's telling you you're weird. You have people, culture telling you to stop. You have, don't do this, don't do that. But you let the enemy's lie say you're faking it. Even when you are worshiping, you let the enemy come in and say, oh, you're faking it. You're letting your peers say you need to take it down a notch. You're letting the world and the lies and the peers shape you and form you and blocking you out the freedom to fully unashamed follow Christ. And I get it. I get it. For those of you in here are thinking really some, some philosophical in here and theological in here, we don't want biblically unhinged people that are going around rolling on the floor to hang, swinging from the chandeliers. I understand that, okay? But I'd rather have people who are desperate and on fire for Jesus than a groom full of people who stand up when they're told, sit down, say their prayer before they eat, go to bed, and rinse and repeat. Because that is not the Christian fully freedom life. That is a routine. 
And I'm going to say that this is a little unhinged and this is off the books. But some of you have been letting even politics form you into your religion and saying, this is now part because this is what it says and this is what it means. This is Christianity. And let me tell you today, the Bible is truth. What anything the world says, that cannot form. We do not follow politics. We follow Jesus. And in this room, we need that. We need Jesus in this place. We need full people, full of faith, unhinged, unashamed, saying, Jesus, I desperately need you because guess what? Out there it sucks. And yes, there are Michaels who hate me. There's a world and a culture who is against me. But I need the truth, I need the life, and I need Jesus. Because that is what's going to free me. And some of you in here need freedom to dance. You need freedom to get desperate again. You need freedom to revisit your first love. You need freedom to open up your mouth and share Jesus with others. You need freedom in this place. And so you need that. I need that. We all need that. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to end with gratitude. We're going to end with this song. But I want, if I ask you to be on prayer, would you come up and just spread out across the top? And actually in here, it's really awesome because we have Ava, we have Kylie, we have Addie, we, uh, Candace, Cadence, Cadence, you come on up and we have uh, Linda and we have Pete, people of all, they want to pray for you. And let me tell you, if you let Addie or Cadence pray for you, they're going to power, they're going to pray for you, powerful man, I'm telling you, you do not want to miss that. But some of you need freedom in this place again. Some of you need freedom and some of you just need prayer. You might just be going through a lot. And do not walk out of here without prayer. So we're going to go into this last song. And when we do that, I want you to come up. And I want you to get prayer. And, I, and some of you in here, for specifically, you have been bound up by this for a while. You've let the lies stick. And it has affected the way you're walking. And you are walking a mediocre, lukewarm, half-Christian life because you are not walking in freedom that the Lord has for you. And this morning he's saying, it's time to lay that down. And so as we go into this song, I want you to come up and I want you to get prayer and I want you to worship. I want you to be on a chair. And I'm not asking for all of you to jump around. You, some of you might be sitting down, but I, what I want is to not to be affected by your past or by what anyone says, but it's just between you and the Lord. I want you to be free, free as we worship. So Jesus, I just pray right now as we're going to go into a time of prayer. Lord, I pray over these kids and all these people that are going to be praying that, Lord, you would just give them empowerment by the Holy Spirit. But also, Lord, that you would call us to respond. That, Lord, just what Ashley said, we don't want to show up on a Sunday morning and leave the same. Because we believe we can meet with you. So, Lord, we, I speak freedom in this place. Freedom for young and old, for kids and for 85-year-olds. Lord, that whatever is happening, Lord, freedom would reign in this place. That freedom would come. Freedom to sing, freedom to dance, freedom to be unashamed, freedom to worship you fully, Lord. We thank you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you, Lord.